And we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job And we get goals good Looking good We are Carlisle United Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle The best place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Dan McLennan On today's episode we're going to look back on United's weekend win over Swindon Town And look ahead to the midweek trip to Staffordshire To take on winless Port Vale As the Blues aim to make it Three games unbeaten at the start of the league season. I bloody nailed it, Dan. I got it perfectly I know, it on. Just, just right, that, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I was brushing my boys there at the end, I tell you. <laughs> Especially as I fluffed it up the first time, didn't I? So there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah mate, how's it going? Good to get three points on the ball, wasn't it, this weekend? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I, I, I predicted a draw, uh, which I would have been happy with, but uh, three points on the road, first away game against the Swindon, who will likely improve as their squad sort of gets to know each other. Can't complain, can we? Yeah, I think I sort of, we'll touch on Swindon in a minute, but they, they remind me a lot of when John Courtney took us over, funny enough, with all the takeover stuff they've had going on lately, but it's a bit of a sort of thrown-together squad at the start of the season, and it'll probably settle down as the season goes on. You'd imagine, yeah, and you? obviously Johnny Williams, that's a hell of a signing, isn't it? <laughs> it is. If you can keep fit, that's the only, I mean, like, it's like Clougher, isn't it? That's the only reason he's yeah, at this yeah. level, is the fitness issues, not being able to get a run of games going. That's the reason yeah. he's done this, this far. Um, well, let's get into it, Dan, then. Um, first up, uh, we're just going to touch on the competition we've had running. Um, so that's the competition to win a pair of the Walling Socks, courtesy of our friends of the Sock Council. Um, they're basically in the design of the 94-95 kit, similar to the bucket hat and the bobble hat we gave away uh, uh, last season, I think it was. Um, basically, all we asked you to do was guess who was going to score United's first goal, and first two games we drew a blank, <laughs> typically. <laughs> but uh, we finally got... a. Uh, uh, Basically, a, a winner potentially because Joe Riley has finally scored the goal. Not many people guess it, we don't think. We, we, what, basically, we're not going to pick the winner today because we need to go back through and double check through the list and make sure because there's three different we places. Think, we, we think there's five people, don't we? Yes, we're fairly certain five. We, we're, just, we're, we're going to double check and then uh, once we've double checked, we'll, uh, we'll put the names on a randomizer draw and yes. we'll video it and you know upload the video for proof, etc. Definitely, we'll get that done later in the so week. So if you if you if you if you're listening and you picked Joe Riley, you could well be in with a chance of winning. You could well. Be. You're bit, meant bit to more, you're meant more. to insert some sort of game show type yeah, music there. Yeah, I haven't got any applause on here, unfortunately. I'll put <laughs> that in, but uh, yeah, this will do. The buzzer is back. We're all excited. Yeah, that'll do. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there you go. Build a bit more tension up, so you'll find out on Friday who has won the socks, and you, you, you can wear them to the late on game of the weekend. Hopefully, there you go. Um, <laughs> you, you, you put a lot of reliance on the postal service there, Paul. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> they're not especially down your, that, especially down your end. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh well, let's get into the match for you a bit then, Dan. So we're going to cover the Swindon game a little bit because I mean, neither of us went to this game, so it's a bit difficult. It's one of these ones. The games where we we don't go to this season. We'll, we'll review because we, we, I've got the um, the iFollow service in terms of highlights and stuff like that. So I try to go back and watch the extended highlights at least, and I did with this one as well. Um, and also we listen to the games on the radio. But uh, yeah, finally got the three points on the board for the first time this season. And that's the second game. Um, first goals as well in uh, three matches, if you include the League Cup game as well. Um, there was a big crowd 
backing the Robins for the first game after their takeover cycle was finally resolved. But United put in a performance, I think it's fair to say, Dan, quite reminiscent of the sort of performance we put in last season when we got towards the top of the table. That's a good sign, really, in hopes that we can kick on and get back to the way we were playing before Christmas last year. Yeah, uh, the very start of the game, I thought Swindon probably came at us a bit. But, uh, we sort of, though, isn't it? Yeah, that. yeah. We, we, we sort of, we rode the storm for a few minutes and then we just started taking control, didn't we? You know, and becoming the better team. Absolutely. And you could hear from, from Lubby and uh, James on the radio that they, they were very clear that, you know, not to panic and we were just starting to nip in and Lubby was constantly making comments about the fact that their defenders were young lads who were trying to play the ball out of defence, weren't they? A lot. Clearly, yeah. this is what they... They brought in a young coach, haven't they? He's got these ideas, and oh, I want possession-based football, I want us to play out from the back. Beach has got a very different idea towards football, hasn't he? He's he's very much in... First point I picked up here, we're back to very the way prag- we played. Pragmatic would be the word. Yes, absolutely. And pragmatic, and he, he likes a team that presses, that works mm. hard, that, that basically doesn't really care if they don't have the ball that much. I mean, the possession stats, Swindon had 66% of the ball, twice as much as United on 34. It's, you know, it's a noticeable difference, really. And yet... It's what you do with the ball when you've got it that counts, though, isn't it? Well, you look at the stats in terms of shots. They had 14 to our 11, but they only had four on target, and we had seven on target. We also had seven corners to their three, so... Exactly. So we're clearly pressing. We're getting forward, getting the set pieces and things like that, getting the long throws, and and yeah, it's it, 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 it really, really impressive the way we responded after the disappointment of last week. Because it, it's weird when you when you when you draw a game nil nil on the opening day and you, you play fairly well, you should be happy. But there was a slight sense of disappointment, was there, really, with the Colchester game? Whereas with this, we've probably got the result we'd hope. Sorry, my cat's just running about <laughs> the room like okay. a lunatic as we record. <laughs> it's, okay. it's wanting to go out the room. I've, I've just sort of secretly opened the door for it and it's gone out now, so the cat's <laughs> away. But, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think when we looked at the fixtures, we would probably all have taken four points on the first two games. Hmm. We've probably done it the opposite way to we fought. Yeah. But, uh, no, there were was, there was some good signs. Uh, I mean, the last 10 or 15 when we changed formation... It was, it was hard going by the sound of it, wasn't it? It's it's almost it's, it's almost like we invited them on to us. Yeah, a little bit of an element of that, isn't it? Um, it's interesting you mentioned you know we did it the other way around there. Last season, I think we only won six games away from home in the league, and we've already got one on the board now. So that, mm. that's that's a real positive to take. Yeah, all the fact definitely, that we're, definitely. We're starting off the way we want to away from home, and it's like you mentioned obviously the subs later on. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll mention that shortly, but. Got to give a mention to Joe Riley. First couple of games. Bear in mind, he wasn't supposed to start the first game, was he? He was dropped. So he was the one yeah, that yeah. Beach decided we didn't need for that game. We'd, we'd use him as a sub. And he's coming at the last minute. He had a decent game against um, Colchester last weekend. He was excellent against Sheffield United in the League Cup. And then this game, by all accounts, he was man of the match again. He was excellent. He, he really dominated in midfield. He it's an amazing thing to say, but by the sound of things, he looks fitter than he did last season, which is some going because his energy was a massive part of why we did well. And what a goal as well, Dan. Especially on his 50th appearance. 50th appearance, his third goal. He doesn't do tapping though, does he? No, he doesn't, does he? 
No. Spectacular it, volley against Stevenage, it, it, and then he was unlucky two or three times last season. He he must yeah. have hit the woodwork far more than anyone else last season. I won't be surprised if he did. I always recall that he had quite a few shots from distance at the bar and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like like I said, he scored that spectacular volley against Stevenage, and then yeah. bit of a lucky one against uh, Crawley with that weird bounce, yeah. wasn't there? But and then yeah. you. You found this amazing stat, didn't you, yeah. about Joe Riley's goal? It appeared on Twitter. Yeah, it's an amazing stat. This so turns out Joe Riley's goal is United's two thousandth away goal in the EFL. That's quite a stat, isn't it? I, I thought we would have scored more. To be honest, but it's, it's one of those things you don't score as many goals away from home, I suppose, do you? So because I seem to remember we've had like a three thousand or four thousand home goal at some point, but but yeah, no, it's f- fantastic, really. And, you know what? He's he's putting himself in a position where Beach is going to have a really tough decision to make, isn't he? When Clough's back fit, what what mm. does he do? Because he was the one he was going to sacrifice. You wouldn't take him out of the team now, would you? Definitely not. Uh, as much as I like him, I think it's possibly Alessandra who could be mm. at risk. Because don't get me wrong, he's played all right, mm. but he hasn't been outstanding. You could do with a goal, really, couldn't you? That's the thing. Mm, mm. It's one of those ones It's A lot of people are commenting, he's really good and he, he's got lovely touches and tight spaces and he gets out of trouble. He plays the nice, simple passes. But he can also slow the game down quite a bit for us sometimes. And yeah, he, he's, he's, he's got, what's uh, what's the word for it? Uh, I can't think of the words. like gamesmanship, knowledge, yeah. you know. It's, it'll come to me when we finish recording, probably, but... He's yeah. got that nous, hasn't he? Yeah, he's nous. He, he knows how to sort of dictate the tempo a little bit, but at the moment, yeah. the way he's dictating that tempo is he's, he's slowing games down and sometimes you just want... That's where Clough comes in. You'd imagine Clough would be a little bit quicker in terms of he wants to get the pass off and play the quick yeah, through yeah. balls and stuff like that. That's what you'd you'd hope, wouldn't you? So, so yeah, fantastic. Joe Riley just basically making himself undroppable at the moment. Yeah. Just, just going back to Alessandra there, the yeah. way you've described it, could we see a scenario, obviously Clough obviously has injury problems. I could see us in games, particularly away from home, starting with Clough and then bringing Alessandro on for the last sort of 2015 to slow it down. It would make sense because he's brilliant at holding on to the ball as well. Mm. And sometimes you just want him to release it a bit quicker. That's that's probably his downfall alongside the fact that he doesn't score as many goals as he'd hope for a strike. But then that's never been his game really, has it? Whenever we yeah. played against him at least as well. Um, got to mention the, the other strike goal scorer though Tristan Abrahams got a little bit of stick over the first couple of games for maybe not looking quite sharp enough and looking like he was going to score in games but brilliant striker's instinct for this wasn't he I mean it's it's a tapping but it's it's been there at the right moment and picking up the pieces when the, the keeper spills a shot isn't it yeah and it's something we've probably not really had for two or three years isn't it no you know the, the old fox in the box as they call them I and you know, at the end, at the end of the day, forget the League Cup game. We were playing a team who we were in the yeah. Premier League last year. He scored one in two for me, and you can't argue with that return. And hopefully, it's the start of uh, good things for him. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? And it's it's an interesting one with him. He, he where wherever he's gone, I think he started out at Orient, didn't he? I think it was as a striker, and he's he went to Norwich, struggled a bit. And it's one of those ones where you score early on in your career, you get your big move. But if you don't do that well at the club you've moved to, you then sort of got shifted out wide, don't you? Because you've got a bit of pace and strength about you. And he's kind of been, even when he's come back down to this level, he's been shifted out wide, hasn't he? And it does appear to me that Beach is saying, all right, we're going to give you a chance now to show that you're a central striker. 
show me that I don't need to go out and sign another forward, or at least one that's going to you know start games. And if you can start keep doing stuff like that, Beach won't need another striker, will he? Well, he still will as cover, but he won't need yeah, one to be yeah. starting games. That's that's the key. You'd hope to see from him, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And like I've I've already blown the trumpet a couple of times. The likes of Fishburne, you know, I seriously think this lad's good enough and mm. I'd rather we, we, the money we do have to spend, on whether it be fees or wages, I'd rather it was maybe used more pressingly for a defender than a striker at the moment. That's one area where me and you disagree, isn't it? I, I think we should use it as a striker, you think a defender, so yeah. end up with another midfielder probably. Now <laughs> yeah, uh, another go. goalie. Yeah, um, got to mention the defensive partnership again. We, we touched on it last week, but... Once again, from all reports, Wheeler and McDonald were outstanding. A lot of people commenting about McDonald. He's just playing like a good old-fashioned centre-back at the moment. He just wins every header and just gets rid of it when he has to. And it looks like they've got a real good understanding. And as much as we both rate Feeney, I think Feeney's probably going to have to bide his time before he actually gets into the starting living, isn't he? Yeah, or, or he'll, uh, you know, if this is Chris Beach's new thing to switch to five at the back to see out games, he'll be coming off the bench a bit for one of the... Uh, Attacking players, won't he? But uh, no, uh, McDonald looks like the player we thought we'd signed last summer. Yes, definitely. You know, and uh, Whelan, he's, he's already proven his, his worth, you know, playing in probably what's slightly unfamiliar because he is more of a full-back. But, uh, Beach no, apparently thinks he can be a midfielder. That's why he reckons he'll finish up. Yeah, yeah. You can see that because he's good on the ball. Mm, he he, he yeah. brings the ball out of defence quite nicely and I think they complement each other really well and I think... I don't see any reason why you'd break up that partnership. And you see some comments on Twitter and social media and stuff and people saying, oh, every time people say, what, what line do you want? Loads of people always seem to say, oh, just drop McDonald's. And I'm thinking, why would you do that at the moment? He's playing yeah, so yeah, well. And yeah. I think a lot of people forget he's got two promotions from this level. He's 29 now. He's, he's a decent age for a centre-back. I, uh, I, I, I'd stick with him. I, I really like him. I yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's a really good player. Um, We'll touch on the whole substituting things in just a sec. But firstly, I've just got to have a mention as well for John Mellish. I've seen a few people on the message board picking him as there. He went to the game saying he was the man of the match. And it sounds to me like he's come back absolutely rare in this season. And he's just, he's, he's a bullet in China shot when he plays football. But teams just don't know how to cope with him because he he doesn't play like a an academy trained midfielder, does he? He makes weird runs. He, he charges <laughs> yeah. the ball all the time. He's, he's going to be a, such a huge asset for us this season, not just for his goals, but I genuinely think as an all-round player, he's becoming a lot better. And someone did actually think say that he's actually a, a, a bit better technically than he gets credit for sometimes. He's got a bit of a loose touch on occasions, but he's a good player in there. There really is. I just wish his chances keep would land on his left foot. Oh, well, it, 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 the thing is, the one for... Because Abraham's goal came from, funny enough, a long throw again. We'll touch on that actually in a second. Um... But it, it it was flicked on by McDonald, and it actually it's it's frustrating for Melich because it's behind him. If you watch it again, it's just behind him, so you can't really get a proper contact. And the keeper makes a save, and Abraham's puts it in. They just haven't fell to him in a nice position for him to have a really good shot. I think once they do, I think he's going to score because he's he's such a good finisher mm. in those positions. But but yeah, he's he's been brilliant this season, and you you can see why Beach was keen for him to start over Riley on the opening day. To be fair, he's not done anything wrong, so. Fair play, lad. Just again, long throws though. I've got to say, that's what. A few games in, we're creating a lot of chances from the, the long throws from Riley. Yeah. We're not really missing Coyote, are we? In that sense, and 
Riley's not a player who's ever going to cause problems in terms of winning headers from them. So we're not. That's the one thing with Kaido was always the problem, wasn't it? Yeah, such a yeah. good long throw. But what you wanted was him on the end of it because he's such yeah, so good yeah. in the air. Um, so there you go. Let's mention it now then, Dan. Substitutions, particularly the one in terms of Dickinson, who, again, a lot of people saying had a good game and his, his first touch has been fantastic and he does such lovely quality bits on the ball. Bringing him off and then going to a back three. Now, there was a suggestion from the official account that we'd already been playing a back three at that point and Dickinson was actually playing as the left wing back. But it did seem to sort of put us right on the back foot and he gave Swinning a bit of confidence that you didn't really want to give them, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it was basically a 5-3-2, wasn't it? Mm. And well, It's almost a 5-4-1 because obviously Alessandra can sort of drop into the midfield from a second striker role. And I think we just invited the pressure a little bit too mm. much. Uh, if you're going to play like that, you need to have outlets, don't you, yeah. for when you do get the ball. Yeah. And I know we, we brought Mampala on, but I would, I would maybe have fancied bringing on maybe some even someone like Lewis Bell for Alessandra, just yeah. for the pace part, you know, to get the ball away and get it back up the other end, but it was a gamble. It worked this time. It maybe won't work against a slightly better team, but, yeah, yeah. you know. It's a strange one, because Armour switched to left wing back then, didn't he? Because I think Dickinson had been playing there. Mm. And then he started getting absolutely torn apart by the young lad who was on loan from Aston Villa for Swindon. Is it Kessler Hayden? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he... Um, it, to be fair, he does seem a decent player. He does. He sounded like in a cracking game, but yeah. it, got to, it got to the point where where they basically stuck Riley at left wing back and told Armour, go and play midfield, keep away from him. Yeah, <laughs> Paul, yeah. Paul Saunders having a bit of a torrid time, but I imagine that lad's probably going to do that to a few full-backs this season. Yeah, think, yeah. Getting forward and they got his red card at the end, didn't he? For was it, was it him who got a red card? Yeah, it was, wasn't he? He got silly dive, didn't he, in the, uh, in the first half and then second booking for a bit of a lunge on... Uh, Mampala, which he didn't need to do actually when you watch it back. Mampala actually knocked the ball out of play. <laughs> it was a stupid tackle actually to get a red card. But um but yeah, no let's take the positives here. Three points, uh two one win. And let's give him a little mention at the end. Harry McCurdy. <laughs> what what a what what a prat. <laughs> didn't have yeah. the greatest game and then misses no, an easy then- chance. Hits a side netting late on, but... Uh, I mean, that, that's a chance he should be burying that. He's been relatively quiet on his Instagram, just saying it was great to have fans back in. And he did put a blue heart up, so maybe a little nod. Uh, well, you know, he's maybe slowly maturing, maybe. You'd hope, you'd hope. Yeah. There you go. But there you go. Good, good uh, three points. Can't really grumble, off the board. Unbeaten. That's the most important thing, isn't it? As much as anything, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. Great stuff. Right, well, let's take a little break then and uh, then we'll get on to the preview of the Port Vale game. We'll be back in just a sec. Hi, this is George Tanner. You are listening to the Brunton Bugle. Definitely going to have to track down some more players to do that, Dan. So yeah, I'll, later, I'll, cause... I'll get lurking in the car park this week. Yeah. Hiding in the bushes of a big, long, extended microphone and just shout, can you read this? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So yeah, let's uh, look ahead then to the Port Vale game. Uh, as ever, our second half of the episode sponsored this season is the Car United 
Supporters Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East, as well as quite a few in Cumbria. Uh, they regularly meet up on away trips, as well as arranging many social events and sports games and doing lots of fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, colourlondonbranch.org. And uh, the recommended pub for this game, Dan, I believe is the Bull's Head in Burslem, isn't it? Yes, uh, the Bull's Head. I'm just having it up on here. Uh, what brewery did you say it was? The Titanic Brewery, I think it is, yeah. yeah. Quite, I think they're quite a popular brewer, I think. Uh, I think they might even be based in the town, possibly. I might be wrong on that one. but uh, It looks like it's on a lovely sloped street. I think I've been there before, you know, a couple yeah. of times, I seem to remember. But yeah. And, uh, apparently they often uh, have a barbecue in the beer garden. I don't know if I don't know if they do for the midweek game, but uh, with it being August, you never know. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Right, uh, that's that bit out of the way. So first up, before we get on to our bits of the preview, I caught up with Johnny from the Ale and the Vale podcast earlier today to see how Vale have started the season and whether they've managed to build on their strong finish to last season after their squad rebuild over the summer. So here's the bit I did with Johnny earlier today. Johnny, you saw quite a, a big turnaround in form last season for Vale, didn't you? Because things didn't start very well last season under John Askey and then he was relieved of his duties and Daryl Clark came in and he made a really big difference to that squad, didn't he? But then he, he took the decision over the summer to pretty much get rid of most of the, the players, didn't he? And it's a real, been a real fresh start. Is there sort of a, a feeling that you can kick on and get that playoff place? Or is it or more of a season of consolidation and trying to at least maybe challenge up there at least? The hope the hope is minimum playoffs. Um, but obviously we're, we're aware that th- three, well, 15 players went, 13 have come in with a couple more still um, looking likely. So... We saw that obviously you guys did a similar thing last season and yeah. hit, kicked on really well. They they gelled really quickly and then COVID seemed to absolutely destroy mm-hmm. you. But yeah. it, we're hoping obviously something similar without the COVID. But <laughs> it's um, it's not started as well as, as we hope. But it's still early days. Yeah, it was, I mean, like you said there, 15 players going and 13 coming in. You've you've lost most of your ex-Carlisle players in there as well, but I think David Amu is still there, and obviously you brought Jamie Proctor in over the summer. Um, what's your feeling on the signings that have come in? Who, who, are the, who are the people you reckon we should keep an eye out for? Um, Tom Pett has started very well. Mm. Um, he, he's been in and around the league for quite a while with Stephen Eage. He got promoted out of it with Lincoln, so he's got some good pedigree. Um I think another good, good signing is Dan Jones, the centre-half who played right-back on Saturday and played left-back, left-wing-back. Um, he's He's got a monster of a throw on him, which yeah, we haven't we haven't used properly yet. Um, he's thrown it in the box enough, but we haven't really done anything about it. Um, so there seems to be a bit of practice needed there. Um, but yeah, I think that them two, them two are the ones at the minute that stand out. Um, but with with so many, we haven't actually seen a lot of them either. So, yeah, it's one of those ones when you have these big changes to your squad. It's uh, it can be difficult, and I suppose as well losing a talisman like um, Pope up front as well must have been quite hard to to get over as well. Seeing him depart after so long. Yeah, Pope Pope's a Pope's a really difficult one to be fair. Um, he's thirty five. He mm. wasn't playing much in the last couple of years. There's loads of rumours that have been flying around about how it happened, why it happened, this, that and the other. So it it would have been 
perfect to, to see him leave in a good place, but the cloud over him and then the fact of obviously when things don't start brilliantly it's an it's an easy oh we should have kept x y and z and we've already yeah. seen it a little bit with pope and scott brown because our keeper got sent off on the first game of the season and people were, were straight away going oh this guy's rubbish we should why did we release brown so it happens yeah, you should stick the keeper up front, shouldn't you? Because he uh, he did pretty well. Was it for Torquay last season? Did he want to yeah. score in the playoff? <laughs> scored a great header. Yeah, he's a bit of a lunatic at the minute, though. He's proper <laughs> continental, and people aren't used to it. Yeah, it's an exciting player to watch at the very least. Uh, maybe <laughs> not, maybe not for the right reasons. It's fair to say. Um, you've had new owners at Vale for what I think about a couple of years now. I think it is. Um, yeah. How are things going under them? Because I mean, there seems to be a lot of good stuff done off the pitch. Especially I've, I've seen that you've you finally put seating into that lower tier of the the main stand, for instance. How, how do you think they're getting on? Are they still sort of finding their feet, particularly in terms of how they manage things from a football side? Yeah, so they they reacted very slowly to get rid of John Askey, um, and then it seemed like they reacted even slower to hire a manager, um, but. In reality, what happened was that they they looked at changing the complete model because they were very naive in football terms. Mm-hmm. They 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 run a successful business, but football's completely different, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so they they then restructured completely. We brought in Flickcroft as uh, director of football. We've brought in a recruitment analysis an analysis, and yeah, we just we we seem to have completely revamped everything that we do. Um, so, so they're they're working on the football things. The off-field things are brilliant, and some of the stuff that they've done with the ground, um, it's, it's as stupid as it sounds. They've painted the tops of the stands, yeah. um, which actually makes it look quite modern rather than run down and old sort of thing. Like you mentioned about the seats, that's been put in because there was supposed to be a gig there last summer. Um, Robbie Williams was supposed yeah. to be playing a gig there, and obviously COVID put pay to that. But that's next summer now, and the things like that just getting a proper a proper gig on and a bit of out of season funding to the club is massive. So they're doing the right things. Sometimes they don't say the right things. Um, there was there was a quote from Carroll, especially saying we don't do seventh. Uh, we don't do eighth, sorry, because that's where we finished on points per game. And then, obviously, last year we didn't. We did a lot worse. So, them sort of quotes, um, there's still a bit of learning to go on. But part of part of it's like it's better to hear hear and see them doing things than not not hear anything at all. So, well, it's better than to be thinking positive as well. Because I know from from our viewpoint, our, our owners are incredibly cautious to say the least, and it does a. Get fans down sometimes. Thing you mentioned moving to the director football model. Now we've done that about four or five years ago. Although it was more out of a necessity of our um, funders basically insisted on it as part of the new model to make sure we we're a bit more financially stable. How have your fans reacted to that? Because I know lower league fans tend to have a bit of a funny reaction to the idea of a, a head coach and a director of football rather than just a manager in charge, don't they? Yeah, it's it's been quite funny to be fair. There's been a very mixed reaction. Some people really like it. Some people were dead against it, especially because Flickcroft, who we brought in, hasn't ever done it before. Mm. And they were like, "Oh, he's a manager. What will happen is that Clark will come in. Like he'll hire a manager. He'll do rubbish, and then he'll just come in and he'll be yeah. become the manager, sort of thing." So there was that sort of challenge. Um, which and then there was also some that were, were complete Neanderthals 
um, that, that every <laughs> fan base has got. They're just like, why are we wasting money on coaches? It's like back in the day when we were successful, we played 4-4-2 and we had a manager and two <laughs> coaches. It's like, yeah, but things change. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been it's been quite it's been quite fun to be fair, um, <laughs> because if, the way that the club have gone about it and the fact that they've released quite a lot of videos showing what Flitcroft does, um, he he's done quite a few in, interviews about things like we're looking at moving to a proper training facility, because I don't know if you know our training facility is right next to the ground currently, um, <laughs> so they're looking at moving away because both Clark and Flickcroft said that no club they've ever been at ever trains at the home ground. We do. So, well, <laughs> it, we tend to train around a bit because it does get waterlogged quite a lot. Yeah, but they were, say, they were saying that they want it to feel special on a match day so yeah. when the players turn up it's it's different than oh, I'm just at work again. Yeah. So I think I think they are winning fans around but obviously the main way you win fans around is by winning games. They don't really care what happens if you're winning, do they? Yeah, it's interesting you say Flickcroft's doing a lot of interviews and talks about you know, what what he's doing and stuff because our director of football only tends to come out when uh, when things are going well or to talk about kit sponsors and things, which I'm not sure why he gets involved in that, but there you go. Um, just sort of a, a general sort of question about supporting Bob Bailey. I mean, what's it like for you when you see how well Stoke City have done in maybe the last decade or two? And obviously they're struggling a little bit more now, but... Is it, is it tough for you? Because if, as Carl Offons, we don't have that experience because we don't really have any, any teams anywhere near us. So what's it like sort of almost, I hate to sort of rub in, be sort of the second si- club in your city. Is it, how, how is it? I think because it's always been that way, mm-hmm. like from when I've been supporting them, I, I don't really notice much difference um, in, in that way. But what, what, was, what it was difficult is obviously, you'll know yourself walking around town and stuff like that, you'll see... Man United shirts, Liverpool yeah. shirts, Chelsea shirts, whichever big Premier League club was doing well at the time. Yeah. What was difficult, them shirts were turning into Stoke shirts. <laughs> yeah. So that's when it became more difficult because it's like, oh, actually, they're, they're, they're doing quite well, aren't they? And <laughs> there's kids now that actually care about it. And then that that's the hard thing. And yeah. one, of the, one of the good things that our owners have done, so Stoke do this thing called um, Soccer Sixes, which yeah. is like a football in the community thing where they go around to schools, they give a package out which has got match tickets in, a free free shirt and a couple of the bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. What our owners did was they put out a thing to say, if Soccer Sixes has come to your school, if you're not a Stoke fan, bring it down to the club, we'll swap it for a Vale shirt. <laughs> so like we, we've got involved in that by, by trying to make sure that we're doing our bit. And now... Our owners are a lot more aware of obviously Stoke being there and how we try and attract the younger fan base. So yeah. we just released what's what's the Junior Valiance Plus membership, which is twenty five pound for the season, which gets you a season ticket, a free shirt, um, and a couple other bits and bobs throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying the best to get the get younger the, get generation early on. involved. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. it? It's to, to to revert back to the question directly. Um, it's vile, especially when they were doing well. <laughs> yeah. um, getting getting. Remember when they got to the FA Cup final? Um, that was a horrible, horrible day until the actual game kicked off. Um, but yeah, it's because because you, you've got friends and and stuff like that that support them as well. When you don't mind the ones that went Macclesfield away on a Tuesday night when Stoke yeah. were in Division Two, it's the the new ones that 
can't tell you anything yeah. that winds you up and they're usually the vocal ones as well yeah that's the problem isn't it well let's let's look sort of modern times now then um you start the season you have some touched on it just a bit before but it's it's probably not been quite as good as you expected i'm guessing you might have hoped to get something against the uh, northampton at least but i mean i suppose Tranmere was a bit of a tougher test at the weekend as well yeah i think not scoring a goal has been the hardest thing um mm. And it's not that we haven't had chances against Northampton. Wilson missed from about three yards out. And um, on Saturday against Tramia, we had three or four decent efforts and hit the post and the bar. So it's not it's not for a want of trying. It's just mm. that it hasn't happened. So it's been a mixed start, but it's it's a work in progress at the minute. And we, we I, I look at the, the opening sort of, five or six fixtures for us and it's been it, it looks quite difficult yeah um having northampton that come down obviously you don't know what you're going to get from that sort no. of team that have been relegated and trammy are always in and around and you guys have been doing well recently and then then we move on to stevenage that have done um that have been doing better than before yeah so, so it's kind of a mixed start and you, you we just need that that first win really will settle the fans down, I think. Are you expecting any big changes for the game on Tuesday night or expecting to pretty much stick with what he's gone with so far? He, yeah, he, he, he seems to have stuck with, with what he's going with at, at the minute, but he does make subtle changes to it. So mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine there'll be many, but I think there will be one, maybe two changes. And I mentioned earlier on, obviously you signed Jamie Proctor over some, he had a half-season loan spell at Carlisle. How how's he look so far? Because he, he always looked to play, he probably wasn't going to get too many goals for us, but he looked a really good target man when we had him on loan. Yeah, I think I think you've summed it up perfectly mm. there. So from, from what we've seen so far, he, he, he doesn't look like the player that's going to score you 20 goals a season, no. but he looks like the foil for the player that will score you 20 goals. Yeah. So, so far his touch looks brilliant. Yeah. Mm. He, he works hard and it's... Yeah, he's he's one of the ones that would be interesting to see from the start at the minute, but he's been coming off the bench mm. so far. Scored against Sunderland, didn't he, in the cup, I think, was it? it yeah, he did. Mm. Um, he was, it was a good, good finish. It was, mm. it was good ha- hassling, to be fair. The keeper spilt it, and he was he was quick on to it, so... Good to hear. Okay, then let's uh, let's get your predictions then for the, for the game on Tuesday. I'm, I'm guessing you're hoping you'll get your first win. Yeah, I think... I'm thinking 2-0 win, um, but that's only only because I think we, we look at it and it's it's been we've been playing well so far, mm-hmm. so it's 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 either it's got to happen sooner rather than later I think, but it's not going to be an easy game by no stretch of the imagination. No. Okay. Well, thanks for your time, mate. Really appreciate it, and uh, hope you enjoy the game on Tuesday night, except for the result. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Lee. Thanks. You too. Thanks again, Johnny, for that chat. Really enjoyed it, catching up with him. We caught up with him last season as well, actually, before the uh, the game towards the end of the campaign, which was a nil-nil draw, of course. Um, so, yeah, this midweek trip down to Burslem. Um, referee for this game is Paul Howard from London. It's his second season as an EFL referee. He's only refereed one United game before, Dan, and that was the 3-0 defeat to Cambridge on the opening day of last season, where he, he booked five plays, including four for United, which were Melish, Guy, Toure and Patrick. Uh, he took charge of 29 games last season, handing out 81 yellow and three red cards. 
Um, head-to-head record, United actually ahead for once in one of these. Mm. Uh, 16 wins, 10 draws and 14 wins for Port Vale. I've picked out a classic clash for this game, Dan, and this one's an absolute belter from November 2006, isn't it? Yeah, uh, a 3-2 win for the Blues. Mm. Uh, it was our first season back in what the third tier for a yeah. few years. and uh, Nearly a decade, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, bloody hell, it was 15 years ago, I'm just working it out. Crazy, isn't it, when you think back to yeah. back to then, but yeah, because it's interesting, when I was looking back through the list of all the games we played against them, before this game, we'd only played them twice, I think, in about 20 years, because it's a weird thing, because I think they'd been in the championship for quite a while, hadn't they, I think, and yeah, yeah. they'd only been down in the, what, the, th- the third tier level with us for one of the seasons when we were up. Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of a weird situation, that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, we actually dominated most of this game. I was watching back the highlights. It was funny because, basically, it was just Simon Hackney and Kevin Harper having a real good go at them <laughs> down the wings. Kevin Harper's a proper forgotten lone player, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Cracking little player he was, really. I would have loved to see him sign permanently, but I don't think we could afford his wages. I think he was on a lot. No. Was, he at, was he at Stoke at that point? Or was he yeah, I think he was, stuff? yeah. Yeah, because he's a weird one because he was born in Oldham, but he was brought up in Scotland, wasn't he? I think, and yeah, um, I seem to remember. I think he retired like a season or two later, and he ended up like owning like a men's clothing company or men's like tailors or something like that. I remember he was big into his fashion. I seem to remember that, like proper smart suits and things like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, United dominated much of the game, but actually it was the, the Valiants that went in at half time with a two nil lead with two. Interesting goals, it's fair to say, isn't it? The first one was a, a stunning 25-yard volley from Paul Harsley, but the second goal was a, a face that would become familiar to United fans, wasn't he? Jeff Smith. Yeah, mm. it was the flying postman, because he was a postman for a while, wasn't he? I think over in the northeast when, when he started out. Um, he took a free kick on the right wing, didn't he? And he and hit it. Just it. Went, it just went and went and went, didn't it? Yeah, and it, it's weird, because... It, when you watch it back, it's actually quite a bad misjudgment by Kieran Westwood. <laughs> he really should be stopping it. It's not actually as as good as it. You know, I remember it being so. So yeah, they went in with a two 0 lead, and United. It's probably fair to say that Neil McDonald gave them a bit of a rollicking at half time, though, isn't it, Dan? Because they 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 came out second half and had a real good go at them again, and got a goal back fairly quickly. I seem to remember um, it was sort of passing move through the middle of the park and. Derek Holmes on the edge of the box and he just sidefoots it into the bottom corner. Um, yeah. Didn't score many goals that season, did he, Homer? Because I think he was, I think he left not long after this. Um, so yeah, he he got one back, and then the the second goal, the equaliser, was a Simon Hackney sort of low cross to the near post, and Carl Holly gets across his marker and just sort of flicks it into the top corner, doesn't he? To, yeah, to really yeah. lovely finish. And then the the comeback was complete later on when um, Neil McDermott, who we mentioned last week, didn't we? I think. Um, mm. He he took a corner. He was played back out to him, and he got the ball. and He he put in a lovely cross that found Peter Murphy at the near post, and he powered ahead. Of, the keeper got a hand to him, palmed onto the bar, but he sort of bounced over the line and into the back of the net. And obviously, that was the three points secured in this game. So we'll, we'll stick the YouTube highlights up to that one again. It's a it's a cracker one. To be honest, I could have picked either of the games against Portvale this season because the away game. We seem to remember we took nearly two thousand fans or something, didn't we? And that was when Joe Garner scored a goal from about 35 yards into the top corner, didn't he? That, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, up next, we've got the play for both. Uh, Dan, as usual, you're going to go into a bit more detail on one player. I don't know who it is. You're going to surprise me for the rest of the season by not telling me ahead of a recording. So who have you picked for this one? An absolute classic. He's a goalkeeper. 
He's now 66 years old, and he didn't have much hair when he was with us. It's Barry Siddle. Barry Siddle. Barry Siddle. Oh. Uh, from Ellesmere Port. Uh, he, he made over 600 appearances in the Football League in a 21-year career. I think wow. he played for about 13 different Football League clubs, and he won promotion out the fourth, third, and second division during his career, and impressive. also played in the first division. But uh, he started off as a, a youngster at Bolton, uh, got into the first team quite quickly, uh, 130 odd appearances, and he got a move to Sunderland for six years. He was at Sunderland, and uh, mm. he had a good 167. But obviously, towards the end of his time there, he had a, a loan to Darlington, and then he actually went to Vancouver Whitecaps on loan. Was he was he there at the same time as Peter Beardsley? Possibly would be then. Won't be far off. Yeah, it won't be far off. Nineteen eighty one. That's about the right time. Yeah. Mm. But uh, when when he came back, uh, he got a a move for John McGrath's Port Vale, yeah. and uh, this was the first of two spells. Was it? Have I just read? Mm. No, it says two spells, but that can't be right. <laughs> Anyways, he he played about 81, 81 games for Port Vale. Uh, before he had a quick loan at Blackpool, then he made the move across the Potteries to Stoke. Ooh, Ooh I mean, that was probably... Uh, controversial. Controversial. He had a couple of loans to Tranmere and Man City. Bear in mind, Stoke were a top-division team back then, you know. The City would have been the um, the old second division was the champion. Yeah, now. yeah. Same time we were around about then, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, after being at Stoke, he, uh, he went to Blackpool for three years. Mm. And uh, I, I, can, I can remember him playing against Carlisle for Blackpool around this time. And then he started a bit of uh, wandering. Uh, Stockport, Hartlepool, West Brom. He was actually at Moseley before he joined Carlisle in 1991. I've, I've, I've seen them play against Workington. It was the, they were the team they played in 99 when they won the Northwest Trains division. Ah, right, right. Lower down they were, yeah. Yeah. But no, he played for Carlisle in uh, 1991. And mm. he... Uh, we, we were a bad team then. We, we mm. were we were the pits back then. If people think we're bad these days, good grief. I tell you now, 30 years ago, <laughs> we were far worse. Far worse. Uh, after this spell with us, he, he went to Chester for a few games. Preston, he had an appearance. Lincoln. And he went to Norwich Victoria for a couple of games. And he actually, he was on the books at uh, Burnley and Birmingham. But he was, uh, I think he was just 41 sort of, by then, wasn't he? Yeah, he was just sort of a, a backup keeper. But uh, apparently he was a bit of a legend at some of the clubs. I know he's fought of well at Sunderland. And uh, I'm pretty sure Port Vale fans quite like him. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, the one I picked out. The quite long list we've got. Yeah, he was 36 by the time he signed for us, actually. To be yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a weird move, isn't it? Because he obviously dropped down to, to, to Mosley. And, and they were actually in the Northern Premier League. Premier Division back then, so yeah. that's. I feel that's what that would be probably about National League North level now. I yeah, think, I, I wonder if he was maybe just helping a mate out and just you know getting a few games to keep yeah. himself ticking over. But you get used to get a lot of keepers like that, didn't you? You've got like John Burridge and people yeah, like that yeah. were always, and you know Andy Dibble, people like that who just basically go around clubs as a, as a goalkeeper. It's great that, isn't it, for towards the end of the career, isn't it, to to just get these little little jobs and. 
help bit here there, but yeah. don't see it as much now, do you? Sadly, but no, no. Yeah. But no, uh, in 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 his career, I think he, he made nearly, including cups, nearly seven hundred and fifty appearances, which wow. is some career. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good twenty odd year career as well. So yeah, Barry Siddle. Uh, yeah, Barry Siddle. Thanks for that one, Dan. Um, are you going to pick one that isn't round about the late eighties and early nineties next time? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I will. I will pick some uh, neater ones, uh. but. No, just thinking because every, every time you pick one, I can I can always have a random guess and go. He's probably going to be a player from you know early nineties, late eighties. Yeah, no, just <laughs> some classic classic players back then. There is indeed, there is indeed. Right, well, let's go for the the full list then, Dan. Uh, first up, he's a player still playing for Port Vale now, David Amu. A player I quite like for us actually. I think he was a decent little player. You know, he's, I you think know. he was slightly underrated for us because he, considering he played right wing a lot, he scored quite a few goals for us for his he position. Did, yeah. No, he was decent. Uh, Loney, Tom Anderson, he had a loan spell from Burnley. I, I liked him as well. Big lad. He doing really well for him. Is he at Doncaster now? Has he moved on from there since? He was recently. at Doncaster last, I checked. But he was one of them. He was a typical under-23 player. He, he didn't really play very much, you know. No, he sort of did the rounds, didn't he? I think he went to a few clubs. He was obviously at... Yeah, he was at Chesterfield a couple of times, wasn't he? And... Yeah, he's still at Doncaster. Just double-check yeah, there. Yeah. So there you go. Um up next, uh, Tom Baxter, who played for us before the uh, Second World War, so that's going back quite a way with that one. We can't quite remember him. Yep. Uh, the People's Elbow next, Richie Bennett. I love the man, yeah. love the man. Uh, one of the, uh, well, it's actually not a one-game wonder, he's a two-game wonder. Chris yeah. Birchall. 2006 World Cup performer. Yeah, Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, thanks to his mum, who was yeah. born there, wasn't she? So, yeah. so you guys uh, Bad or co-commentator. Mark Boyd's on the list. Mark Boyd, yeah, he only played nine games for the Blues, didn't he? He was a very mm. popular player at uh, Port Vale, I seem to remember, actually. They really yeah, like him, yeah. and he had a good spell there. And With us, I think he was a bit unlucky. He came in, and he did a decent enough job towards the end of that season we got relegated. And I think Simo just wanted a sort of clean slate, didn't he? Yeah, he just yeah. cleared the books and bring in who he could over the summer. Um, Johnny Brain, I don't think he ever played a game for us, but he was on the books a couple of times, wasn't he? Local yeah, he was, I, he, he, I think he was in the academies before he went over. Was he in Newcastle he was at? He was definitely in Newcastle. He was one of the ones yeah. that, um, what's his name, um, the fact that scout who we had for a short while. I his... actually played cricket with him once. Yeah, and he was in the, he, was in U, he was in our youth set from 1998 to 99. Yeah, he went to Newcastle yeah. and then he came back towards in 2002 for a short spell and then went to Port Vale for a few yeah, seasons, yeah. played 59 games. I right? actually remember when I was working in London... I think he'd gone to Macclesfield by then. Yes, he had, yeah. We played at Charlton on the Tuesday night and I think Macclesfield were playing someone in London mm. and we literally, someone I was with knew him and we bumped into Macclesfield players on the street in London mm. celebrating their match. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, yeah. So yeah. there's a random encounter. Yeah. Uh, a player who's uh, certainly popular with both sets of fans, I think it's fair to say, Mark Bridge-Wilkinson. Another player, I think maybe he gets a little bit underrated for how good he was for us, wasn't he? Mm. He was a... Terrific little player. I, I think we were spoiled at that period, though, weren't we? Yeah, you, you, you kind of sort of forget little players like him who come in and do such a good job for, for a long time. And doing a good job now at Liverpool with the under-18s, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, maybe management material in the future, possibly. Uh, player who played for both clubs and actually left Port Vale in the summer to go and play alongside Aaron Hayden at Wrexham. It's Sean Brisley. He's one, another one who left this summer, Mark Cullen. Probably... Best forgotten his spell at Carlisle, I think it's fair to say. Um, he was injured when he came, to be he fair. He was, he was, yeah, to be fair. At his peak, he would have been a brilliant player for us. Yeah. Um, Cult 70s player now. Indeed, Bob Delgado. Cracking little player from, from yeah. South Wales, wasn't he, I think? 
Originally, yeah. yeah. Um, another cult player scored two of the greatest goals you'll ever see, and you went to saw these goals, didn't you? One I of was out from the match, yeah. John Dernin. T- yeah. Tell us about those goals again, Don. Peterborough away, two 30-yard lobs. They're both on YouTube. Just Google Dernin Peterborough. And I think I think they're enjoyed. on my YouTube channel. I think I think you possibly uploaded them. Yeah, in the day. yeah, yeah, didn't. But, uh, we we, did, we didn't win away very much then, and we won two 0 that night. And and they, they were they were basically up there at the top. They had they were the big yeah, club, yeah. weren't they? Our division. I I'd actually went on the train and I'd a, a convoluted trip back from Peterborough <laughs> to York to Manchester to Preston. A couple hours in the waiting room, and then first train back up to Carlo. Barmy, Barmy trip that one for you, miss. Yeah. But yeah, no, if you watch them again, basically one of them he curls into the top corner from 25 yards. But I think it's the second goal. He's just, if Dennis Bergkamp had scored it, people would be raving about it on Premier League. He's still short now. He shuffles past two players and he chips the keeper from yeah. 20 yards. And it's inch perfect chip. Lovely, yeah. lovely goals. Pretty much the only good goals he did for us. But there you yeah. um, One of the players who featured in the Roddy and only played about four or five games, David Freeman. Um, he, he had a short spell at Vale as well. Uh, Kevin Gall, the speed merchant himself. Um, Matt Glennon, I didn't realise he'd been at Portville. He must have been a loan spell towards the start of his career, possibly. Um, again, he's a hairdresser these days, isn't he, I think? I seem to remember. He's got his own so, barbers. Yeah, yeah very, very random. Yeah. Well, Lee Miller started up his own barbers. There's an interesting fact for you. Um, Anthony Griffith. Still, I still can't get over the story about him and his international call-up. Can you? Barmy. Absolutely barmy. So basically got called up, was it Montserrat, I think it was? For an international, yeah. someone like that. And Keith Curl kept it quiet. And basically, rather than saying, oh, it's fantastic, we've got another international player playing for us, didn't tell anyone. And then it came the match day at two o'clock and he wasn't in the team. And they're like, oh yeah, he's on international duty. We just didn't want the opposition to know. I mean, for, for crying out loud, it's... He was a defensive midfielder, for Christ's sake. <laughs> he wasn't that good at one. He had one brilliant it, game at Wimbledon. I remember that Wimbledon, one. he was superb. He's actually at Port Vale now. He's the, uh, I think he's in the youth setup as one of the yes. development phase yes. coaches. Yep. Yep. Uh, one of the players in United's current squad, Callum Guy. He's, he had a spell at Port Vale as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, brother of our uh, director of football, Dean Holsworth. He also had a spell at, um, at Port Vale. Did, did, were you following United when he was on loan at, at the Blues? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember him playing for us? Or? No. No, that young. <laughs> that young, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, another player who's popular with both sets of fans. Quite a few, actually, that played for both sets of fans and they're quite popular with both. Uh, Luke Joyce, now playing with AFC File. They got off to a 4 0 win at the start of the season. This yeah, they had, a, they had a big win, didn't they? Mm. Uh, someone who definitely is not popular with Car United fans, Steve Livingston. Managed to get himself sent off in nine appearances. Incredible. There's a random Steve Livingston shirt on eBay at the moment. <laughs> there is actually. I saw the red today. and black one. Incredible. Uh, Jenison Mary Williams uh, was a lone player under John Ward, I seem to remember, towards yeah. the end of his spell in charge. Uh, one of your favourites here, Dan, Billy Painter. Uh, the irony he scored one of the two goals that secured our league place. Yeah, well, there you go. There Enough you go. Said. And uh, a, a man who probably isn't too fondly remembered by Port Vale fans, but is very fondly remembered by Carl United fans. The the great man himself, Stefan Ponovacci. That's two, two that's two weekends in a row, isn't it? We've played against yeah, his former yeah. clubs. Um someone who didn't play for United, but he didn't manage us and he managed both clubs but actually played for Port Vale, Ivor Powell. I think is it was he the man who got our first ever promotion as well? 
I seem to remember. Mm. 61, 62, something like that. Yes, um, Jamie Proctor, obviously, is in Vale's current squad. Um, Barry Siddle, because I've left one out here because I'm going to touch on it at the end. Barry Siddle, you mentioned already. Yeah. John Rudge, who was a, an absolute legend at Vale, isn't he, in terms of what he yeah. did as a manager there. Had a decent uh, season or two at United, played 50 games, but 13 goals. Um, Jeff Smith, we mentioned before. Tom Tyler had a short spell with the Valiants. Gareth Taylor, I think he had a decent spell with Portman. He was quite popular there, but... What did he play nine games for us? Scored one goal, I think, against yeah. Crew. And uh, another one we mentioned uh, recently, Winston White. Um, now, the one I left out there, uh, I was going to say, is Jack Round. I think we mentioned him before on the pod, actually. Jack Round's an interesting one in that he suffered a bad injury in a game for United in a game before the Second World War. It was about 1936, I think it was. And yeah, it was such yeah. a bad injury. He actually died a couple of weeks later. So he's one of the few, I think only two players who've died when still registered as a United player, effectively. Incredible stat that for you, isn't it? But yeah. we'll, we'll do a special point about him because I've got loaded newspaper clippings I've managed to get together. It's quite a quite a sad story, actually, really, when you when you go back to it. So, so there you go. So that's the play for both. Um, let's go on to discussion points then, Dan. So I think in the pre-season predictions, we, we all felt Vell could have a really good season, didn't we? Because they, they finished last season so strong. They'd struggled at the start of the season under John Askey, who I think... Vale were hoping would replicate what he'd done at Macclesfield in the National League, having struggled when he was in charge at Shrewsbury at League One level. But it just never worked for him, did it? And, you know, there was hometown club, and I think they, they really wanted him to do well, but it just wasn't right and ended up bidding him off sort of just after Christmas, I seem to think it was, and brought Daryl Clark in as manager. Um, and what a brilliant second half of the season they had, but they've been busy over the summer, haven't they? Yeah, Um most clubs are nowadays, but Port Vale especially were, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. And the, the big surprise was, because they'd done so well, you thought, well, you maybe only do some tweaking around the edges there, maybe like seven or eight go or something like that, but 15 players going out the door. I mean, I suppose it frees up a hell of a lot of wages, especially when you're letting people like, you know, your Tom Popes go and stuff like that. But it, it's difficult to build a full squad from the, from scratch, as we found out last summer. You know, we, we did well in the end, but it, it's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So their manager is Daryl Clark. Now, he, he took charge of them in February uh, this year. Um, he left his role as Warsaw manager. He, he joined Warsaw at the start of the 2019-20 season on a three-year deal, but he couldn't really replicate what he'd done at Bristol Rovers, could he? He was struggling to to build them into a decent squad. It looks like Matt Taylor's going to have the same challenge this season based on their results at the weekend. Um, he's he's coming to Vale. He's done a brilliant job towards the second half last season and it actually looked at one point like they might just push for the playoffs. And I think it was actually the draw against us that killed off any hope for them and pretty much killed off any hope for us as well. Um, as I mentioned, obviously, he's let 15 players go. They brought 13 new faces in over the summer. Um, some some interesting names in there, isn't there, among the ones they brought in? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm that's, that's, that's what I'm just looking up as we're talking. Uh, yeah. The squad, there's, there's some good, solid players in that squad. You know, I mean, Leon Legg's getting on, but he, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Yeah, he's been at this you level for, for years, hasn't he? And so when you look through the summer signings, I mean, Mal Benning's always been a pretty decent player for Mansfield yeah, yeah. Town, left back. Mal, and, Malvin's, to give him his professional Malvin's, name. oh, there you go. Um, the two lads aside from Salford, I mean, James Wilson, you've got a player who, He's 25 now. He's got. He's getting to the point where he needs to get over his injuries and start playing regular football yeah, and, yeah. and performing to the level that everyone expected he would do in Manchester United when he started. The, the level he gets paid for. 
Yeah, exactly that. And then Dan Jones, who was on loan at Harrogate in the second half last season, seems to remember. Yeah, he plays I think on he's left been, back, centre back. Been at Barrow as well, hasn't he? He was at Barrow for a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. he's got a monster throw on, on him, hasn't he? I mean, seems to remember he was just launching into the box against us uh, in the game at Brunton Park. Um, so yeah, they, they, they brought a few. I mean, we mentioned Jamie Proct obviously as well. Um, but I've actually picked up the star man as a player who I genuinely am surprised that bigger clubs have not come in for him at any point because he's he's always impressed me. It's Tom Conlon. He's a, he's their captain now. He's he's 25 and he's a terrific little player, isn't he? He gets goals. He, he gets about midfield. He can pass it about a bit and every time I've seen him play against us, he's always struck me as one as, yeah, he's going to play at a high level but you look at him, he's been, he started out at Stoke, he's been at Peterborough and I'd spelled Stevenage as well, but... Did he pick up a knock in their first game? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. Because uh, he, play, he played the 90 minutes against Northampton and he didn't play in the Cup and he didn't play on Saturday. He may well have done then, possibly. So I, I, I wonder if he's got a knock. Possibly has, possibly has. I'd hope so, because he's a good player. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You'd want him not to not be fit, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. In terms of a Key squad members. I mean, David Worrell's an obvious one, isn't he? He's, yeah, yeah. He finished second in the assist table last season behind uh, some fella called Callum Guy. Um, and I think, actually, Tom Pett from Stevenage is an excellent signing. I, I would have liked to have seen him come to us. I know we've signed some... We've already got a decent midfield in our squad, but I think he's a really good player at this level, Pet. 29 is getting on a little bit now, but had a really good season last season for Stevenage, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm just looking at the ex-Carlisle players. Both Amu and Proctor seem to be uh, from the bench on the hour type substitutions for them at the moment. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, Amu is 30 now. I didn't realise he was that old. I thought he was younger. He's he's actually older than Jamie Proctor. Jamie Proctor's 29. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but like I say, looking through this squad, I mean, it's a a packed squad, isn't it? There's, There's a fair few players in there and... It's not the youngest squad either. It's what, average age, what, 26 or something like that. So it's a good two years older than us in terms of average age. So, you know, they've, they've it's up to them to really to perform this season because they've clearly invested to try and get themselves to make that next step to the playoffs. Whether they can or not remains to be seen. Um, probably, a, I think they'd argue it's a bit of a disappointing start for the season for them, isn't it, really? Because two games in, they've still not scored. They lost the opening game against Northampton, a team that we feel might struggle a bit this season, but actually they've started the season really well. Um, and then nil-nil draw against Tranmere at home at the weekend. And th- I mean, surely they're going to be thinking to themselves, we've got to get a goal here soon, because if we don't, potentially yeah, we're going to drag uh, into a bad start like we did last season. A nil-nil draw against Tranmere isn't a bad result, mind, is it? Because we, no. we we sort of fancy uh, Tranmere to do well, don't we? So, mm. yeah. yeah. No. Uh, in terms of United... Got to stick with the same eleven for this game, surely. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if we don't. No, There's, just... you, you always say don't don't change a winning team, no. and I don't think anyone's played badly enough to warrant being dropped at the moment. I don't think anyone's really played badly, have they? Really? No, no. The only the only question is if if Clough is fit, but even if he is, I think I'd have him on the bench to start. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, I'd ease him in. I don't. You don't want to rush him in and, and pull something, do you? So. No, no. We'll just have to see how he uh, he gets on in terms of that. Um, but yeah, in terms of the game itself, um, hopefully a, a decent-ish following going down. It's, it's a it's a weird one, Portville, isn't it? Because it's not it's not a really long journey, but it's not a short one either. It's, it's in that annoying sort of 
midpoint in the country, isn't it? Where you, you it's past Manchester. It's it's past Manchester, but it's not Birmingham. No, and it's and it's for a midweek game. It's one of those ones where it sort of teeters on the edge from coming from Carlisle. Yeah, it? it's it just it's just on that thing of well, if I finish work, will I get there? Sort of thing, and you know what the M6 is like in August. And well, there's a lot know. of works on the M6 at the moment. Yeah, round about yeah. the turn off for Manchester and Liverpool. So yeah, it's uh, not easy coming down. So it'll be a long journey for the fans coming. Um, let's get on to predictions then, Dan. So uh, I've got Mike's. I've not heard Mike's yet, but uh, what's yours? I I'll take a point, one all. Oh, well, there you go. You can just go for a point. Who's going to score? Oh, Dickinson. Dickinson. Okay, you reckon he's going to break his not break his duck because he scored against Stevens last season, but yeah. for the season at the very least to get his first goal. Uh, okay, let's play Mike's then. What's what's Mike got to say for himself? So I am going to go for one nil to the Blues with uh, Tristan Abrams getting his second in two. Oh, so he's picked the striker this time. He's a uh, mm. yeah, fair, fair play. Mike, Mike was very close to getting him bang on on the weekend, wasn't he? Because if Mellish had buried it? that chance, it would have been two one with Mellish and Riley. You got yeah. it right with the first goal, but not the second. So uh, I think he's probably going to be ahead so far. We'll we'll get the points together before Friday and work out where where the three of us stand so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of my prediction, uh, I'm going to go for a two nil win, and I think Mellish. And Dickens just, together goals. You just say Mellish every week. I do because I'm wanting to get called. I do, but no, <laughs> I'm going to change your mind because because last season I did never change your mind. Never change your mind. All right, I'm going to stick with it. Mellish yeah. and Dickinson two 0 win. There you go. Um, we're not going to do the X Files this episode, are we, Dan? We're going to save them for Friday and do a more bumper one, I think, because yeah. there'll be a few to fit in then. Yeah, there wasn't too many on Saturday either, so... No, not, not a massive hopefully, hopefully get a few, few midweek. I'm just going to say one thing I noticed uh, when I was looking through the uh, fixtures yeah. for the next couple of weeks. We're missing three games in the division already to, yeah. on uh, Tuesday night because uh, Sutton's pitch isn't ready. Yeah, New Newport. It was Sutton Hartlepool and Newport Northampton due to pitch issues, and then uh, was it Crawley Harrogate is missing because of Harrogate's COVID. Yeah, Harrogate have got some COVID issues now. Yeah. That's a bit frustrating for us because basically that means Orient have got a, a midweek off. Yeah, before yeah. Players at the yeah. Weekend. Sorry, it was Orient. Yeah, Crawley was the weekend one, wasn't it? It was uh, yes. Or Orient, Orient Harrogate. So. Yeah, it's a little bit frustrating that one, isn't mm. it? So, so there you go. Um, I mean, I'm just looking ahead of the game. Actually, I mean, potentially, obviously, with Orient, with both Orient and Northampton not playing, we could go top if the results steady, go our way. Steady, steady. Right? Three games in, top of the league. You never know. You never know. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, but there you go. So, um, thanks uh, again, Dan, for joining me, and thanks again to the London Ranch for sponsoring the second half of the show. Um, a reminder to everyone you can obviously subscribe to the podcast using all good podcast apps just search for Brunton Bugle wherever you get your pods and click subscribe and you'll get it every time a new episode comes out um, and obviously remember as well to follow us on social media uh, Brunton Bugle on Twitter and just search for Brunton Bugle on Facebook and we are on the be just and fair not facebook group and it's been quite busy over the last few games hasn't it dan actually everyone's mm. getting very excited about the start of the season i think it's fair mm. to say why not indeed indeed in terms of upcoming episodes um we're going to do one a preview for the weekend game against Leighton orient of course um we'll then not be doing one for the 
Hartlepool game in that trophy we don't talk about. We never do those ones. We don't care about those games. We will, of course, be doing one for the Hartlepool game on the Bank Holiday weekend. Um, but we will have a special episode out. Uh, is it next week? I'll be next. In fact, yeah, next week after this one, basically. We'll have your special episode out, Dan, when we finally yeah. been yeah. waiting to, to get that one out. And it's a belter. It's, uh, it's, it's Dan's CFC 11, and there's some interesting choices in there, I think it's fair to say. I'm, I'm basically playing for time here, Dan, because I'm trying to get the world map up, but it doesn't look like we've got any new countries <laughs> on, sadly. No, 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 nowhere new. So if you've got friends living in weird, exotic places across the world, just tell them about the podcast. I don't think it'll be in Afghanistan anytime soon, though. Uh, no, I think that's probably fair to say, Dan. <laughs> um, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's where we are. Um, we'll be back later in the week, and hopefully we'll be celebrating United another three points and a continue to the unbeaten start of the season. You won't be, Dan. Hopefully. He, he's to uh, a good result. Yep. Yeah. Up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.